0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. WGR Sports Radio 550.
1: First of all, we'll start today off by telling you, it is Rolex time, Tony Blanchard. So don't be bringing on one of those Mickey Mouse watches and trying to oppress the world. How can you possibly expect, woo, to be the world champion with a body like that? their teeny weeny arms, and their skinny weeny legs, and that ooh, so turkey looking neck. I will drive nothing but Mercedes or Rolls-Royce. I will not go nowhere on a commercial airliner. I will ride in nothing but limousines. And I will make love to nothing but the best-looking women in the world. Remember, when Ric Flair's in town, showtime!
0: Woo! On WGR Sports Radio 550. It is definitely showtime here at WGR Sports Radio 550. Hour 2 uh, this morning. The weather is looking uh, decent for football. It's, it's football season weather uh,
2: a little bit early in August here. I I have got to say one thing though uh a little Woo! A, a little plug from our from our sponsors oh. here at WGR Nicholas uh, Nickel City Con. Ric Flair is in town today. For that. So, if you're going out there, obviously uh be safe, but make sure to see the Nature Boy himself.
0: I'd also like to plug something else if
2: I could uh uh Derek, and uh, there's d- a
0: show coming up starting in a few weeks uh when week 1 starts and it's a little it's a little bitty called uh Pucks with the Bills, and it'll be with me and uh, and my producer here, Derek Kramer. We will be bringing you some fantasy talk uh, every Sunday morning before Bills games to kind of set your lineups for the uh, for the afternoon. We now that uh, daily fantasy sports are back in New York State, we'll be gearing our show more towards the uh, the daily fantasy sports shows. That's but right. but if you're the guy who doesn't play the day to day fantasy and is just your ESPN you, you needs or We've got a nice little podcast coming at your way as well, where we'll be focusing our time on the standard scoring formats of ESPN, Yahoo, and NFL.com fantasy. So a lot of fantasy football stuff coming your way from Derek and I in the next few months. So you're going to want to pay attention to WGR550.com, where our podcasts will be posted. And uh, obviously on Sunday morning, 7 to 8, right before uh, countdown to kickoff and um, the other pregame shows in the morning with Jeremy and Matthew obviously and then Howard and then they got the round table which i find to be one of the one of the best things about Buffalo Bills pregame, especially now that the national TV stations kind of have really lost a lot of their luster with with guys like to me, Chris Carter, and yeah. and Keyshawn Johnson leaving ESPN, as well as Tom Jackson, who I think is irreplaceable on that show, um, and I'm not a real big fan of the CBS, so I, I'll find myself uh, tuning in even more this year, especially to the Howard Simon kick- Countdown to Kickoff show. It is a great, great kickoff program um, where they have the roundtable with Chris Brown, Markel, so uh, I, I just think it is such a good pregame show, and it's all geared towards Buffalo Bills football so you don 't have to get that two minute section where they talk about the bill 's game and then have to listen right and then have to listen to the, <laughs> the NFC West talk that they 're yeah. going to be talking about so uh, you 'll want to pay attention to that this year, so a nice little plug for uh, for mine and derek 's show as well ryan, uh, as we 've been moving along here this morning it 's just been the natural progression we started talking. Uh, this morning about uh, training camp, some of the battles we had been watching, and how they may uh, take form tonight in the game. Um, which, uh, quite honestly, in the first and fourth preseason game, you're going to see the least amount of your um, your, pl- your starting players. They're going to be sitting mostly. So expect to see a lot of Cardale Jones tonight. Um, and expect to see a lot of guys like Leonard Hankerson. And w- tonight, I really think this wide receiver battle, um, with Des Lewis probably not playing, to take form tonight, to really to pick up. And I, and I think there's a lot of guys with a lot of things to prove tonight. So that wide receiver battle is something to watch. Another battle I'd like to watch tonight as well and a couple of guys. I'm interested to see what Stryker does tonight. Um, as I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, Ryan and I were at the scrimmage on Saturday, and it, it was one of those things that uh, popped out to me off the, uh, you know right, out, right off the bat was, was the ability of Eric Stryker to get off the ball He's lower than... You have to remember, and as we talked about with Quanjo, this right tackle position is really the most unathletic position on the field. uh, and on the field, but on your offensive line. They're usually slower, more methodical run blockers than they are pass blockers. So to me... If he's going to be lining up on that right side, the defensive left side, your offensive right side, he is going to have a tremendous advantage getting off the ball. I noticed at times right as Cardell Jones got the ball in the scrimmage and took his first step back, Stryker was at his feet, yep. tapping him for a sack. And 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 really, when I noticed it as and he was going up against Jordan Mills at times, he was getting so low off the ball that he's at knee level yeah. on some of these right these big six foot six, six seven right tackles. You To ask a big right tackle to reach down to try to block Stryker is going to be an interesting thing to watch tonight. So we'll see if he's the same menace he's been over the course of this training camp so far. He's Jerry Hughes-esque to me. Uh, Jerry does a little bit more, though, I think, than, than, than a guy his size. He's a little bit bigger, but striker has got that size and speed and I think the tenacious ability, that tenacious mindset, um, and the never-quit attitude that I think really, you know, represents this Bills team really well. Um, so... As we progressed along in this first hour, we then talked about Tyrod Taylor's contract. Before
2: before you move on, I want want to say something here with uh, Eric Stryker Mm -hmm. and involving Eric Stryker. I see Eric Stryker having a a career arc of a guy that uh, is a situational pass rusher. Absolutely. Remember uh, Adwale Okay. formerly of the Dolphins and the Bears, a guy who made his money as a situational pass rusher. Then the Bears and free agency gave him a mega contract. And then, yeah, yeah. And then he kind of tapered off from there. I see the career arc of Eric Stryker being at best an Adwali Ogunli, a guy who can get you double-digit sacks in situational pass rush situations.
0: A Dwight Freeney right now at this point in his career where he's going to be a mm-hmm. third-down specialist. And yeah. I'm comfortable with Stryker being a third-down specialist if he does what he's shown so far yes. in camp. I'm very comfortable with that that role for him. And I think that's a good point, Eric. And 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 as we moved along this morning, we as I mentioned talked about this Tyrod Taylor contract, but more specifically what Colin Cowherd and and um, Jason Whitlock spoke about during their show yesterday, and really ultimately their criticism, then not acknowledgement of this really not being what it is on paper, or, you know, on Twitter seeing all these big numbers, and then going back to talking about how they're paying him too much and he's yeah. never done anything and. There's a lot you can take from what Colin Cowherd said, and and it's true. I, I do think that this team historically has been, oh, uh, we're just going to pay you because we, we want you, or you played one good quarter of football, we're, we're going to make you our franchise quarterback. And I think it's important to note, but what I wanted to talk about here, Ryan, is is historically the the, the stigma of this Bills team. I think is unfairly pinned on guys like Rex Ryan, especially Rex Ryan, but Doug Whaley as well. And and obviously a lot of that has to do with that Rex Ryan seems to p- always put himself in the spotlight. And you'll hear people say, "Well, he puts himself in that position. He 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 talks too much." And he he's he's too charismatic. He's too this, he's too that. But as Richie Incognito said on the Colin Cowherd show a few weeks ago is none of us are talking about the the battles in right. camp. We're not talking about guys who are struggling. We're not talking about all these injuries as much because we're talking about Rex Ryan and what he said in his interview, or the Clemson helmet he's wearing, or or whatever. Yeah. To me, I I believe that that he's that these guys are really kind of being. 16 years of frustration is being taken out on two guys that had nothing to do with the past 13 years of of really heartbreak for this for this franchise and for these fans. And I think they're they're kind of the piñata, unfortunately, for a lot of people's anger and dismay about this team.
3: Yeah, and I mean, Terry Pagula spoke about it on WGR uh, earlier this week with Murph, where he said, you know, we're not really thinking about the last 16 years. We're thinking about a one-year playoff drought, because that's how long he's owned the team. And I think that's a bit short-sighted. But, you know, to your point, it's 16 years. It's certainly not Whaley's fault. It's certainly not... Um, Rex Ryan's fault. It's certainly not Russ Brandon's fault, who's really the only tenured member of this team that's been here for the entire 16-year playoff drought. But you know, fans get frustrated and national media has to have a narrative that drives. And when that occurs, they start to focus on things like the longest playoff drought in professional sports. And you know, unfairly or not, Rex Ryan had to know that that was coming. I mean, he said it in his opening press conference as he was introduced as the head coach. We haven't been in 15 years. We'll get ready. We're going. That was the statement that they had. Now, whether fans decided to take that as a guarantee that they were going in 15 or not, I more took it as we're going to get there in the time that I'm a head coach. Um, But a lot of fans looked at that and said, hey, he's guaranteeing a playoff visit you know i don't think that's fair for him but again you come to buffalo and you kind of know that that comes with the territory and that's what they signed up for
0: yeah absolutely and and th- those are great points and but you're right and and i think a lot of people didn't like what terry pagula had to say yeah. and and they people really he would, heat for it. my thing is people don't want to talk about it they don't want to, they don't want the media to talk about it but they want terry pagula to Remember it and keep it as like a as, as a token yeah. of of all of the heartbreak and all of the you know the, the this the the bad taste in all of these Bills fans' mouths and and I understand it I do because I've grown up in it I, my first real memory of Buffalo Bills football and my first real fanhood is the Music City Miracle so now I really wasn't alive or or there. To be able to be a fan and really pay attention and be heartbroken by the Super Bowls losses, yeah. but to to tell me that you know and and Derek as well that you know we can't be bitter or we we don't
3: know what it's like to be a yeah. Bills fan. You were there, man.
0: I, I grew up <laughs> watching that Music City.
2: I cried I, my little yeah. eyes out watching yeah. that game. I mean, yesterday you you brought that up. Yesterday Howard Simon and I we uh, during the Howard Simon show we were doing the wines of the day and uh, I had mentioned. Something about the Bills Flag and Rio being a little too obnoxious at this point and Howard, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily something to no. be disparaging. He was he was trying to be encouraging with me. He's like, Come on, you're 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 too you're, you're too, too young, young to be bitter. Yeah. And <laughs> Nathan you said it exactly right. Like it, to to rip off of Bane in Batman Holler oh, I was born I in was George. born in it. I, I was raised, raised in it. In it. <laughs> we were raised in it. I mean the last time that they were in the playoffs I was nine years old. You know, it's for all of my adult life and most of my life that I could comprehend what football right. was, the Bills have been either bad or heartbreaking.
3: Yeah, and I think, you know, you, you talked about Nate, the Bills fans not wanting to talk about the drought, but at the same time, they want people they to wear, acknowledge it. They it. Yes. It like a badge of honor. Right. Like, I'm still here yep. after 16 years of not making the playoffs. You guys talk about, you know, I, they haven't been to the playoffs since I was nine, and I'm still here. I mean, yep. it's a badge of honor, but at the same time, you're not a Bills fan, so you don't have the right to talk about the 16-year playoff right. drought or bring it up as a disparaging remark about the city. Bills fans want it both ways, and it's interesting to hear the Twitter reaction when Terry Pagula comes out and tries to be optimistic and say, listen, it's a one-year yep. playoff drought, it's the first year I've owned the team, and then Bills fans crush him on Twitter right. and say, don't don't ignore the last 16 years just because you just owned them for a year. And it, yeah, And That's not really fair, but,
0: yeah, it, but, but at the same he time does you have, have a to point. acknowledge it.
2: it. He does have this point. His bills right have not, and you can say the same the team, thing about Rex Ryan and Doug
0: year. Whaley. You can say yeah. the same thing, and but precisely the, you can't have it both ways. Right, and and I don't want to tell you how to feel about your team. I'm a fan, but I I've had to I've had to take myself away from that a little bit, yeah. and, and I've had to look at this team from both sides because I can't be a fanboy and have this job. I can't, and and I'm not. And I'm what the why why did that missing happen? missing sock <laughs> Ooh, that was weird uh well yeah, then yeah that happens what are you gonna do uh no but you just can't have it both ways and and you can't have your cake and you can't eat it too you can't i and i don't again i don't want to tell you how to be a fan of your team but at the same time from me having to step back because i was that person you know i was super super passionate about my honor my pride in this team and and Now that I've had to take a step back and remove myself from that and look at this team unbiasedly and and look at the whole thing, the whole picture, I can't sit here and I can't continue to have that same narrative and that same just pokey attitude towards this team because this isn't the same, as much as as everyone's going to say, the same old Bills. It's not. It's a different regime. The front office, other than Russ Brandon, is... Totally different.
2: Russ Brandon's not even part of the front right. office. He's not. He's, right. he's right. mostly
0: the marketing guy for this team. And by the way, he does a great. Uh, he's I, great I do, at that. I don't think that Russ Brandon gets enough credit for. He's great at that. And, well, and that's another thing. Yeah. Another thing is the 16 year drought. And last year, they have the most, the highest renewal, season ticket renewal yeah. ever. Yeah. So. Say what you will, say bad things about Russ Brandon, but he gets you to buy his tickets at the higher rate the next year. Nate, yeah.
2: Nate, I do have uh I do have sound from Aaron Williams um about the pressure of the drought. Okay, let's hear it. And I feel like it's very it's very relevant to it's everything here. that we've been saying. I'm into I like it. to do everything by goals. And I want to at least complete a lot of the goals that I have set for myself. And one of the biggest goals was to end the drought. I mean, that's one of the biggest accomplishments
0: I think I wanted it to be a part of. I mean, it's amazing being part of history. At least one thing they can say is I was a part of that team that brought back after, I don't know, was it, six, 16, 17 years. years. That's pretty
2: amazing. Yeah, that was on the Howard Simon Show a couple of weeks back. And Williams acknowledges the outside pressure that there is something there there is pressure from either the fans or the outside media that this does exist it is a problem and the like the players while Pekula said some of them are were barely born when this started some of them do acknowledge though that it's very real and it's there listen i don't want to downplay this as as something
0: that i'm just saying oh suck it up bills fans you stop talking about it." it it's there know it's there and but don't you can't have it both ways you can't criticize someone for the 16 year drought that's been here for two years that's doing their damnedest doing their best to rebuild not only the culture because and I think that's a super super overused word and especially the NFL but yeah. pro sports in general is culture and uh, to be honest it's overused as I mentioned but this this organization has to flip the way that not only their fans think about this team, but their players. And say what you will, but they have. And Colin Coward, you know, mocked them for paying Mario Williams $100 million. Just, oh, come play for me. We want you. We're gonna give you a hundred million dollars. But that changed the way yeah, that players exactly. and
3: free agents viewed this organization. That was that was the swing moment for Buffalo Bills because up until that point, and the reason that Mario Williams got paid so much money wasn't because he was worth necessarily that money, but because he was coming to Buffalo. And it was the first major free agent in his prime that Buffalo had brought in in as long as any of us can remember. Since really free agent began. Exactly. And And look at some of the guys that they have been able to bring in (laughs) since Mario Williams signed. And that's because that was the first point where – Buffalo Bills were seen as a team that were willing to pay for talent because up until that point they, they were not. drafting guys, they were picking up guys off the scrap heap, and they were kind of making the best out of a bad situation. Mario Williams was the first turn, and, and you know I, I, I like to try to give Russ Brandon credit for that because he was you know still involved in a lot of the the, the football day to day at that point in time. He understands you have to make money, spend money to make money. And they've spent, they, they spent money on Mario Williams, and that's made them equity in these players that they've been able to bring in. We wouldn't have a LaShawn McCoy if it weren't for signing Mario Williams. We wouldn't have re-signed a Marcel Darius. We wouldn't have been able to re-sign a Jerry Hughes. They would have all walked, and it would have been same old Bills. We foster talent, and they walk away, and they're successful other places. Charles Clay. These guys are here because that Mario Williams signing took place, and that was the trigger point that said the Buffalo Bills are no longer the Buffalo Bills that won't pay for ten We're going to pay for talent, and it continues with the Tyrod Taylor deal. They pay for talent, and they reward talent in in their young players that step up and play well. You're going to see it with Sammy Watkins. You're going to see it with Stephon Gilmore. They're going to start to pay these guys because they now understand that we need to keep talent. We need to reward these guys for being successful. And I think we have an owner who understands that and, and is willing to put up that money and go all the way up to the cap if he needs to.
0: I think, too, and, and you brought up, I think, a, a terrific point that about Stephon Gilmore and, and, and keeping their own. And that has been one of the things Doug Whaley, since day one, since taking over as general manager of this team, is it's about keeping their own. They had to create a new nucleus, and they did that by ultimately signing some of the players that they did. And they overpaid for Charles Clay, sure, absolutely. Sure. But they had to aggressively go after Charles Clay in order to make sure the Dolphins wouldn't match.
3: But that turns into a team-friendly deal did. after this after, year. Exactly,
0: so. so in longer term, if, if Charles Clay is still a young guy and a young yeah. player, he has the ability to continue to get better. And if you remember, this is an H-back, a running back that came into this league, so he still has the ability to continue improving at the tight end position, the nuances of the position. Yeah. So he still has that room. to But I think it's important that... You know, it's it's not only a thing where people. It, it isn't the same old Bills. It really, it really isn't. And and say what you will, and and tell us that you know we're fanboys and and are, and are we're in bed with the Bills and we're never going to talk bad about them. But I think it's my duty, at least at this position, to t- to say the facts, to tell people the way it is, because they are clouded with this idea that we are the same old Bills. Yeah. And and think about this now. Jarvis Bird wanted to be the top paid safety yeah. in football, and they decided that even though it was still was important to them at that time to keep their own, that you know what we don't value as the we don't value you as the top safety. We don't believe that paying a safety that kind of money and hamstringing ourselves and the
3: cap is is worth it. So we're going to let you walk, and they got crushed for it by yep. Bills fans. They got crushed. They got skewered. Yeah. Anybody talking about that now? Here it goes. Another, another guy we're letting walk away. Same old Bills. Anybody talking about that now? No.
2: That's true. Andy Levitri. Yeah.
3: Same old Bills. We're Best guys offensive walk away. line.
0: Best yeah. offensive lineman on the team. Oh, the, Eric Woods is going to step back. He's because only good because of Levitre. He's yeah. only good because of Levitri. He's on his third team in three years. Yeah. Signed the, one of the largest contracts for, a, for an offensive lineman. And then in three years, he's been on three different teams. Yep.
2: Ten- so, Tennessee really, really lost out on that one. They did.
0: They did, and again, it, it just to me it goes back. It, even the Fred Jackson thing, people skewered the bills for Fred Jackson because oh, he's Fred. How could you let Fred go? He's the best player on our team. He's this.
2: I mean, there's a difference though between fan I favorite and I
3: understand that
2: and letting someone walk. But, but this lot, is but a
3: business. A lot of fans, a lot of fans got upset about Jackson because they felt he still had a lot left. In a the lot tank. left and you look at a team and and you hate to draw parallels to it but you look at a team in the Patriots Bill Belichick throughout his career at the with the Patriots has Such been a notorious good point. Such a good point. for been for, for cutting guys the year before and then the year late so you know you i mean the example is Vince Wilfork he got cut he had a down year last year with the Houston Texans he's probably going to have a down year this year you've got to be that team that is willing to look at production right. not at who's been here the longest. That, and you're right. And another one that I think always
0: in my mind replays with me is Lawyer Malloy. Yeah. And you're talking about one of, at at in at that point in his career, and, and in even, that, even yeah. that year, safety in the even league. that yeah. year was one of the best safeties in the league. And mm-hmm. Belichick said, nah, I'm not paying you. Yeah.
3: Drew, See uh, Drew Bledsoe. Drew Bledsoe. Yeah.
0: And, and say what you will, yes, Brady did play very well in the time that he took over for Bledsoe that year, and obviously they won the Super Bowl, but... You were banking on a guy that oh what he had seven starts that yeah. sounds that sounds awfully, that sounds pretty
2: familiar yeah. it sounds
3: awfully familiar a guy in Bledsoe walk who had been a great quarterback for you and went on took, to took you two, to a Super Bowl yeah and went on to play for the Buffalo Bills and have two good, good years. years for the Buffalo Bills he still had some left in the tank but mm-hmm. you've got to be ready to cut bait with guys. Early, because and, you get production out of them, get rid of them before the tires come off, right. and you know that that's that's how you become successful. In this and a league. lot
0: of that also has to do with developing the younger guys behind him exactly. that they can be, they can do what they're doing with Cardell Jones is stockpile them for later and, and try to do what they can do to develop him into the player they want him to be. And and I drew a parallel to Rex Ryan and Bill Belichick in my article. I thought it was going to get skewered for it, but I didn't. And I don't think I think people just kind of read over it and didn't really notice that I did it. But the reason I did it is because you see, Bill Belichick. I understand he's got Super Bowls. I understand he's considered one of the best coaches of all time. So why am I talking about him and Rex Ryan and even in the same sentence? And it's because Bill Belichick has done some questionable roster moves over the course of his career as coach. Right? Their
3: drafts—they've been puzzling at best. And they're drafting
0: quarterbacks year after year, and they're not addressing positions of need on their team that they're clearly in need of. Yep. Nobody says anything about that. Nobody, nobody kills him for for Rob Nikovich getting hurt. Yeah. No one's saying, oh well, how come he's not working him hard enough? Or how come? Or uh, Julian Edelman getting hurt, hurting the his surgically repaired foot in the first training camp practice. Yeah. Why is he out? Why there? is he out yeah. there? No one said that. They're like, oh, he'll be fine. It's just you know, next man, next up. man up. Next yep. man up. We don't care. We're the Patriots. And how come that can't be? Because we haven't made the playoffs in six years, sixteen years. That we now have to become so critical, so self. Critical of not only ourselves, but this team that we can't even draw parallels to other coaches who are doing the same things around the league just because they're successful. I think isn't fair, and I don't think is right to do to an organization that, say what you will, it's not like
2: they're not trying. Yeah.
3: I, and, and,
2: especially now. Right. Bill, and, and
3: Bills fans are any, any bump in the road. And season over. Season's over. Right. Re- Shaq Lawson needs surgery earlier uh, than we over. thought he was. Oh, we're done. Reggie Ragland blows out his knee in a oh, non-contact injury. Oh, particularly Ragland. Yeah. Oh, we're done. Season's we- over. We- we got- we've got to go sign Brandon Spikes. I mean, he's he's what, 35? He's 28. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, but season's over because we've got to go get an old veteran who didn't have a team before and, yeah. you know, can't possibly step up into that role. And I'm not saying he's going to step up into the role and but fill that gap. But another thing but about, not that, over.
2: about that is Spikes stepped. Whaley saw what was going on. He recognized that right, this isn't looking good. I got to get guys right now before a diagnosis even happens. Spikes and Hawthorne were brought in before Raglan's swelling even went down. So they were ready to go. They were ready for the plan, a counter plan to...
3: And you Damage hear, prevention. And you hear Rex Ryan talk about it, and they were ready. They were ready before the injury happened. Yeah. Rex Ryan said, as soon as Raglan went down, and we had an inkling of what it we're gonna, was. We're going to have some guys. In had, the next they some had guys. tape ready. Yep. They had a list of guys that they were going to go talk to, and they had scouting done on every single one of those guys, including Spikes and Hawthorne, who were at the very top of the list. So, you know, for people to criticize Doug Whaley, the fact that this is has not turned into a complete disaster with Reggie Ragland going down is a testament to what Whaley's able to do and what this scouting department has been able to do for the Buffalo Bills.
0: Absolutely. All right. So we got Nick Filipowski coming on with us next. If you're on hold, stick with us. We'll get you before we we hit to uh we hit to Nick next uh next half hour, so next segment. So, uh, Nick Filipowski up uh, up next. We're going to continue talking Bills. We'll talk some Tyrod Taylor. We'll get his thoughts on what Colin Cowherd and on the Herd said yesterday. We'll also get his thoughts on what he thinks Gilmore will be doing, uh what the team will be doing with the Gilmore contract. So, stay tuned. We've got more coming here on WGR.
3: Confidence-wise, I'm always going to play with that mindset. Uh, I believe that, that I'm a very good quarterback and, I mean, I play and I that way as well too, as far as the, the money, putting a tag on it whether you're a lead quarterback or not, money doesn't have anything to do with it. At the end of the day, guys get judged by by wins and losses.
0: More sound there from Tyrod Taylor. Obviously, we've been uh, talking a lot about Tyrod and the contract that he signed yesterday. It's still fresh. Um, so, because it's still fresh, and because we want to continue talking some bills, it is game day, people. So we have to remember it's game day. It's not only Tyrod day, but it is game day. Uh, so now we bring in on the AT and T hotline Nick Filipowski from WKBW, is a sports reporter and anchor there at WKBW with our uh, with our old friend Joe B. Nick, how you doing this morning, buddy?
1: I'm doing great. That was a great mashup, by the way, to, to get into this segment. Thank you, I, thank you. it's. I, I take 100% credit. Yeah, he,
0: can, <laughs> he can take the credit. I mean, he's on the board, so I won't take any credit for it. But uh, it's good to have you on, buddy. And uh, we were uh, at the scrimmage on Saturday, so I saw you there. And you've basically, what, been there every day?
1: No, yeah, no, the scrimmage was the only day that I was there. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: I, I just figured you were there every day because I just see you always, you know picture and tweeting and everything, but I mean, you're,
1: (laughs) I wish I could be there every day. Yeah, I
0: know. Same with me. It it was nice to be there and and on the sideline and really kind of get a full experience of, you know, of what this team has talent wise. And, you know, obviously we started the day off by, and, and I even saw on your Twitter that this Colin Cowherd, um, We'll call it a segment, but it was really just a couple of jabs here and there towards the Bills organization as a whole and kind of the city of Buffalo. Uh, yeah. But your thoughts uh, on this? On this sound from from Colin Cowherd? We played it twice on the program already. Um, you know, I wasn't thrilled about it, and and at the end of it, I kind of just was scratching my head because it sounded like he was killing the idea of this contract and then admitting the fact that it is kind of you know, performance-based and, and laden in that, in that sense. And then he goes back to killing it again, as if he hadn't just admitted the fact that this is kind of a prove-it contract. So what, what were your thoughts on that? And, I mean, maybe shed some light on it.
1: I mean, I think that's, I mean, that's just kind of Colin's thing. Um, you know, he likes – I mean, he says things that are outlandish all the time. It gets clicks. It gets used. Um, I mean, I just kind of – I read it. and I was like, man, okay, if a guy who really doesn't understand what the contract is, what it – you know, what's on the table – and um, kind of what it means for the future
0: clickbait. About, <laughs> that's what I thought. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it was definitely clickbait because I think all of us clicked on it and, and listened. And from that point on, it, you have a lot of Bills fans, I'm sure, listening to that and thinking, oh, man, just another national media guy ripping the Bills, just another another instance of the Bills being the dumpster team in the NFL. But quite honestly, my thoughts on this Tyrod Taylor contract, it is a win-win for both parties, for the organization, the front office, Rex Ryan, the Bills, and it's also a win for Tyrod in the sense that, again, this is a guy who only has 14 starts in his career. He gets triple the amount of money that he was getting this year. Now, he's still one of the lowest paid quarterbacks in the league, but in your mind, is this a win win for
1: both sides? I think so. And I said this last night uh, at 11 uh, during our broadcast. You know, Tyrod said you know, during his, his press conference yesterday that, you know, the contract was essentially it shows the team is all in on him. That's kind of their motto. That's their mantra for this season. I think a better way to put it is to steal directly from a quote from Rex Ryan is cautiously optimistic. Um, I feel like the, the bump in salary for this season, um, it was kind of like, a, hey, we appreciate what you did in 2015. Uh If you do it again, if you duplicate what you were able to do last year, maybe you put up better numbers, you know, maybe this team goes you know ten and six, and we get to the playoffs. Hey, you know what? we'll open the vault a little bit more, and we'll give you you know even more money to show how appreciative we are and I think Doug Whaley kind of hit it on the head. This is really a performance based contract as long as I think his quote was something along the lines of. You know, as long as you know Tyrod continues to perform at a high level, we're going to continue to pay him um, like he's performing at a high level. And you know, if if it's an aberration, and you know if he was a one hit wonder in 2015, and the wheels kind of fall off this year, they have options to get out of it. It's not like they're you know they're married necessarily or tied to having to, to fork over you know that 27 and a half million dollars that the second year of the contract you will know, reportedly worth.
0: Nick Filipowski on here from WGR from WKBW. I'm from WGR. You are not, um, but you know but he's on WGR. He is on WGR. But when I look at this, and it's interesting because obviously this roster, and, and say what you will about it, it has been said that this roster really is a is kind of a win now roster. Uh, so to me, you, in order to win with this type of roster, you do need a quarterback. So their thoughts are, hey, we finally think we found someone. We need to safeguard ourselves, not only in case he is a franchise quarterback, but if he isn't, we aren't tied to him next year. We can go out and try to get a free agent. Maybe it's a Drew Brees who's at the end of his career, or one of these guys who are... Next year, there will be free agent quarterbacks available. So I think it helps you in both senses because this is a win-now roster. And, and, I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but when you look at the positions, I mean, they have a couple of really high-paid players at each position on this team, important positions. This is a pretty top-heavy team, so in, in your mind, I mean, is this a win now roster?
1: I think so. I mean, if you look at you know back to the moves they made, you know, bringing in Lashawn McCoy. Um, I know there's still some question marks and folks who still weren't thrilled about the you know the Sammy trade to go up and get him, but he is a difference maker. Let's I mean, there's no denying that he, he's a difference maker. Um, you know, Charles Clay, obviously, he kind of needs. You know, we got to see something bigger from him. This year, they they paid a lot of money to go out and get Charles Clay. Um, you know the offensive line. Cross your fingers, you can stay healthy. Um, but yeah, this is this is this is win now mode. Um, and I know there was some criticism about you know what uh, you know Terry Pagula said. Um, you know in terms of it, you know being just a one year playoff draft. He's only owned owned the team for one year. But you got to kind of step back and look at things big picture. You know, as much as the the Bills deserve to go to the playoffs, the fan base and Western New York deserve it just as much. Um, I think, you know, the Bills have kind of – the mindset has changed. Um, the landscape has changed. You know, they, they want to get out of the bottom of the AFC. They want to contend for, you know, those division titles. And, you know, Tyrod, you know they believe, is the guy who can get there along with all the other pieces that they've bought in.
0: Nick Filipowski here from WKBW on the AT&T Hotline with me. Uh, Nick, and and I think that's a good point, too, Is and that's what we really kind of talked about last hour is, you know, just how difficult it is to be a Bills fan and to really know when to criticize and who to criticize. And I I think at this point it's just like it's an umbrella criticism. You just have to blame somebody. So who's at the top because you're to blame? Uh, I mean, do you think that at this point you can really start – now, again – Doug Whaley's been here for probably the longest amongst now. Not talking about Russ Brandon, but he's been the longest tenured front office guy here, other than you know a couple of other scouting department guys. But guys in important positions, he's been the longest one here, and he still, as we talked about last hour, gets blamed for EJ Manuel, gets blamed for the Ryan Fitzpatrick signing. Uh, what are your thoughts? Do you, do you think that he maybe gets a little bit more, you know, flack and and, and I guess I don't want to say disrespect, but just a lot of blame gets put on Doug Whaley. Maybe that isn't deserved.
1: Um, Yes and no. I mean, somebody's always got to, I mean, there's always going to be a fall guy somewhere. Um, and usually, you know, it's either the, the head coach, or the GM, because those are, the, you know, the two guys who make the decisions. Those are the guys, you know, who, who make the decisions in terms of who to bring in, um, you know, how to put the roster together, and then the coach is responsible, you know, for what goes on on the field. I think there's equal Blame that could be spread out equally throughout the franchise per se um but I think you know there's there's been enough changes i guess um and you know, to to doug Whaley, uh i guess to his defense to to my knowledge wasn't that a the trade to go get um e j wasn't that a buddy mix thing yes, it was
0: <laughs> yes it so, was, but he gets blanketed he just yeah, gets he blanketed just, under yeah. there. Uh, I don't know, It's and it's tough because you look back and you want to say, oh, what a mistake the E.J. Manuel draft pick was. He was a first-round pick and no business being in the first round. But then you look at the other two or three quarterbacks from that draft that are even still around in this league. You look at Geno Smith, who they just decided, the Jets decided, hey, uh, yeah, I'd rather <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go pay Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, we've got a guy named Christian Hackenberg in a draft over you. Uh, he's probably going to be on the roster on the depth chart over you, even though he's a rookie. And Oh, by the way, we're going to bring Ryan Fitzpatrick in. And then you go down to Tampa Bay, where you have a coach in Greg Schiano. a few years ago in Tampa Bay before they, they fired Lovey Smith last year and Dirk Cutter's now their coach this year. They had Mike Lennon really penciling as their starter, and that was the other quarterback taken in that draft. And then all of a sudden... The next year, they're like, nah, nah not so much. Uh, we we really don't want you to be the starting quarterback. We're going to draft a number one overall pick and try to, to trade and try, right? And try to trade yep. you. So uh, when you look in, in in retrospect of that draft and uh, specifically the quarterbacks. I don't want to say you won, but you definitely didn't pick the worst guy. So, like, Hey,
3: Ryan Nassib got a start last night.
0: Ryan, oh, I forget that he was, oh man, I forgot that he was he the was one in, everybody wanted. Remember that I, I can't, I can't believe I forgot that Nassib was in that draft. But no, Nick, and, and as we'll continue on forward here with this Tyrod talk, I'm sure we'll continue talking about it tonight. It's game night, man. And I know you're excited. You guys got the, the got the game on TV on WKBW. Uh, what are some of the things you'll be watching for tonight in the, uh, in the first preseason game of the 2016 season?
1: Uh, yeah, uh pregame on channel seven starts at six thirty, countdown to kickoff kickoff between the Bills and Colts is at seven and then we have a uh post game show following that with highlights and analysis. It'll be me, uh, Joe Vascalia and Matt Boulevard. We'll go ahead and have it all covered. Um what I'm looking for tonight, uh I mean with the with the rash of injuries that have once again bitten the Bills, offensive line I'm gonna be paying a lot of attention to that. Um I think there's not I mean I guess you call them no-name guys—the guys guys maybe you haven't heard of, um, heard of too um, much—that are kind of out in left field, um, especially on the left side with Cordy Glenn and Richie Incognito. Probably not playing tonight. Um, You got to see what those backups uh, look like, and then uh, linebackers. I know you guys uh, talked a little bit about uh, Eric Stryker. Love what he brings to the table, um, but it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how the linebacking core kind of shakes out. Um, And I think tonight we'll kind of get a first. uh, a first look at how it's how the defense is going to operate per se with with the different guys uh, in there.
0: Yeah, and I think it's interesting too. I think we'll see. I I don't know if we'll see Brandon Spikes tonight because he's been he's so kind of new to the system and the team right now. But I would assume they're going to throw him in the fire, let him make mistakes, let him go out there and get some of the cobwebs out. But I think Eric Stryker's another guy, and I think you're right. Uh, to you, to me, I mean, you've been probably paying attention to some of these camp battles much like I have. Other than the injuries, I mean, you have these battles at receiver, uh, you have the battle at safety, which I think is an important one that's playing out, and the battle at number two and three running back behind Carlos once he's back. Uh, what do you like? What position battle that's been really the storylines of camp? Are you going to be paying attention to specifically tonight? Any any in general?
1: Uh, I think the wide receiver one is the big one, um, especially. I mean, you know, you know what Sammy brings. I think Robert Woods, um, for all intents and purposes, could have a monster year this year. Um, I'm just watching the the scrimmage. Um, you know, I, I like what I see from from Robert. Even last year, um, you know, when he was, you know, put in the number one wide receiver position when Sammy was out, I, there were things he showed. Um, that kind of showed he can be a you know a difference maker um, on the football field. But I think outside of those two guys, um, when you look inside in the slot, and even you know when they you know if they were to go four or five wide, um, you know it's it's going to be uh, tight to see who kind of steps up and takes that next step. Uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, you know Marquise Goodwin has had um, a standout camp. Maybe some of that is in part because he's entering a contract year. I don't really know. Um, but he's looked he looked really good. I've kind of been a little surprised too that Leonard Hankerson has kind of fallen off the wagon a little bit. I know he had a, a, a pretty good uh, pretty good run down in Atlanta. Um, and I thought maybe we'd see a little bit more from him um, early in the preseason. Maybe he'll show us something in the preseason games that you know we haven't seen yet.
0: Yeah, you're right, and that's actually one of the guys I I'd really had pegged as one of being one of these guys that's going to make a really a really good push for this number three slash four slash five receiver spot. And it really hadn't turned out that way. And maybe it's just because you're right. Maybe he just hasn't had the opportunities, and tonight's a really good opportunity for him uh, to put something good on film. And Whereas Greg Little, I mean, you can see the difference in a Greg Little and, and a Leonard Hankerson as a guy who had been really with Tyrod all offseason just running routes and throwing. You can see where they are in their progression in this offense based off that, and, and I think it's important for sure. Uh, Nick, thank you so much, buddy, for hopping on with me this morning. Any uh, any questions for me or any other plugs you want to uh, plug for tonight?
1: No, you know, we got pregame again, uh, 6.30, countdown to kickoff on Channel 7. Kickoff, uh, Bill's Colts is at 7, and then, like I said, we've got uh, half hour, uh, or I guess we'll, all, all the way up to the 11 o'clock with our uh, postgame show.
0: Nice. All right, buddy, thanks for coming on with me. We'll do it again, and I uh, hope to see you soon, man.
1: Always a pleasure. Happy
0: game day. Yep. Happy game day is right. Nick Filipowski, WKBW sports anchor and sports reporter, uh, hopping on with us there. And and, and again, and that's another guy. I mean, this receiver battle, Ryan, is interesting. And we've talked about it pretty much all morning here. But the Leonard Hankerson one is, to me, at least a little bit head-scratching because I mean, really, from the start, I pegged him as a guy that is going to really make a run at this. I mean, what do you? I mean, and, and I just mentioned the fact that Greg Little really was with Tyrod and, and Charles Clay working, you know, on the and during the off season with him. I mean, do you put a lot of a lot of stock into that, or do you think it's just maybe because Leonard Hankles, Hankerson is struggling a little bit?
3: Uh, I mean, I think he's struggling. I don't think Leonard Hankerson was. Um you know a, a huge signing as it was um he's kind of a guy that's struggled wherever he's been so um he, he's he's bounced around a little bit and that's that's kind of why he's bounced around so you know Greg Little's put put in the work Leonard Hagerson hasn't yet and I think it's been apparent so far uh, throughout training camp between the two veterans
0: yeah, and for me, Greg Little seems to be the like the kind of guy that could really succeed because of his size. And really, what's held him back over the course of his career has has been the drop seasons. Mm-hmm. He's just yeah. hasn't been a consistent pass catcher. And so far, I haven't seen any any signs of that this season. So
3: he he had two drops on Wednesday at, during day practice, and you know, kind of the mumbling on the sidelines was, "Oh, oh that's Greg no, Little, right, that's yeah. Greg Little." And, but and, we'll see what he does in the preseason.
0: Yeah, and and that's what we'll hope to see. We'll hope to see some more of that, uh, some more good stuff from him tonight. As uh, I expect. Him to, to probably get a lot of time, and I expect guys like Hankerson, uh, Jared Boykin, and some of these other players to really see a lot of time tonight. I, I, I think I just, you're going
3: to see everybody but Watkins and Woods tonight. And honestly. I think I, you might
0: not see a lot of Goodwin either. Quite honestly, they,
3: they may not. I think I think they've liked what they've seen of him in camp, and I think that they're they're happy with what they have.
0: All right, so we've got one more segment coming back here, and then we're closing things off. We've got Inside High School Sports next. Sports Talk Saturday with Matthew Collar at 11. And then obviously, as we talked about it, it is game day, so we've got Countdown to kickoff with Sal Capaccio at 5 o'clock. That runs till right up until kickoff at 7. Then Murph and Sal and Mark Kelso take the call right here on WGR, so stay tuned for that. Up next, we'll close things off uh, right here on WGR.
1: We, we looked at it as we have a quarterback now, and we I hate to say it, but lack of a better term, uh, we didn't want to be greedy. Uh, We like working with Tyrod. We have faith in Tyrod. The coaching staff has faith in Tyrod. But most importantly, the team has faith in Tyrod, and Tyrod has faith in himself.
0: Bill's GM, Doug Whaley, there, and he's talking about Tyrod Taylor and his new contract that he signed yesterday. But let's head out to the phones here before we close things off for the morning. Drew, you're on WGR. How are you doing this morning? Oh, wrong one. Drew.
1: Can you hear me all right? Oh, yeah, I got you, Drew. Oh, all right. Can you guys hear me okay? Oh, yeah, I got you. Okay. There's a Zumba class going on like 50 feet away. <laughs> so one of the, the thing I wanted to bring up was, and I, I don't think anyone's mentioned it. I got in an argument with my girlfriend about it last night. So now that we've paid Tyron, he's the guy going forward. People are going to debate the contract, whether it was good, whether it was bad. I'm concerned with tonight. We don't have a left tackle. We don't have a left guard. His protection is not going to be what it needs to be. Do you think it's a smart idea for the coaching staff to put him out there for any sort of extended period of time? I get it. You want to see wrecks out of the guy you just gave a boatload of money to. But at the same time, if his protection isn't going to be there, do you are you putting him at risk unnecessarily by doing
0: Thanks for the call, Drew. Um, I don't think he's going to play at all tonight. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't think there's a shot. I, I don't think he'll I either... think he does. You think he does play tonight? I think
2: he does, and Howard brought it up yesterday, and it was a very good point. This is not Ben Roethlisberger we're talking about. This is not Drew Brees, who is a proven guy capable of everything. I mean, the guy signed a prove-it deal, an expensive prove-it deal. He's got to start proving it, he's got to start getting reps, and... Quite honestly, I don't see the reason that you would need to put EJ Manuel in for a half and then Cardell Jones in for a half. Taylor's got to get some reps. Here, I'd say you give, him, you give him two or three series, get him out of there.
3: Or, or do you put him out there and the first time he gets hit, he's, he's, he's brought out? I exactly. Mean, there's, a, there's a very
0: flexible way, way to do it, but like. he's got to get reps. Here's why I don't think he needs reps tonight. Sammy Watkins, not playing. Lashawn McCoy, not playing. Reggie Bush. Not playing, Charles Clay, not playing. So who's he getting reps with? Who's he getting reps with? The seconds.
2: It it would seem. And as Drew, as
0: Drew just pointed up, your second lefts your. It's not the right side of your line that's out here. (laughs) It is the left side, the
2: most important side to counter you here. What about the Indianapolis Colts defense? First unit is scary. I'll tell you, Robert Mathis, maybe.
0: Who's going to be rushing on that left side with against Cyrus? Right, Mathis isn't playing. But my thought here is I'm not
2: scared of the toothless Colts defense. I'm at least for two
0: series. I'm not right. But even if you're even if you're not scared of their defense, all it takes is Cyrus Quanjo pushing uh, whoever's rushing in the back into the back of Tyrod Taylor's knee, and there goes his entire season. And then really, then the season's
2: over. Well, that's fine. But then we don't have to worry about that contract long term.
0: I, but i don't then, want to be put I, in that situation i, I, I think Go then, I think then you
3: worry about it even more though i mean then then then, then what do you have then you, you have no guy, idea now you've got a guy who you know has shown that he can be successful through 14 games in the nfl signs a prove it deal and gets hurt before he's he, able to prove because it because you put him out there in the preseason how, it, it,
0: how do you justify
3: not picking up that option?
0: And a, that I'd say it's too serious, and, and and especially because of the injuries that have been taking place in no padded practice with Aaron Williams and Des, Des Lewis the other day.
2: That's a fluky play.
0: I know it is, but if football's a fluky sport, and, and teams Fredgy win Reichen because of... a fluky of, injury. Yes. And he's done for the year. Right, and he was just running, he was just going on a, I, on I a will pursuit s- drill.
2: I will say this. I'm not going to sit Tyrod Taylor because of the fear of him no, getting hurt. No, that's
0: not why I sit him. I just don't think he has anything to gain from tonight's game. I, I don't. Like, I feel like live reps. Live I, reps. Yes, live reps team. are absolutely something to gain out of this. But truthfully, live reps with. Greg Salas and and whoever he's going, yes, he's going to be thrown to Greg Salas, but he's not going to be thrown to Greg Salas as a number one or number two receiver. There are other battles right now that I think need to take place tonight, and I think this is an extended time for guys like Cardell Jones. And and again, I think the first and fourth preseason games are really the ones that don't matter at all. The second one, you you start to build some momentum, and the third one is really the walkthrough for the starting here's, units
2: on both sides. They each get about a half to play. Here, here's what I think, though. Two series most, and he's out. So, possibly six plays.
3: Potentially. Yeah.
0: yeah I mean, so potentially think, six plays. Or you look one at, long drive. I think if he, you look, if he if you're puts gonna,
2: together a scoring drive, get him out of there. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think
3: if you're going to look at the live reps, I think, you know, you look at that second preseason game, and you give that left side of the offensive line the opportunity to show that they can be productive this in week. live reps. This week. This week against, you know, a, a, a toothless Colts defense, as right. you mentioned, which I think is a good point. But I mean, they've played against right now the second team defense or the first team defense, but a you know Ik Polly and right. Lorenzo Alexander, right. which isn't exactly not great. So you know it's it's one of those things where you let the left side of the offensive line, Quanjo and 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 you know Roy, Roy right? and, yeah, and, and you know those guys show that they can protect a quarterback. I don't care who it is, a quarterback. And then you say, "Okay, game two. Let's get Tyrod some live reps with guys he's actually going to be throwing to coming this season."
0: That and and the the absence of McCoy, I think, is another thing that. To me, just doesn't make sense to put if you're not gonna be putting McCoy and and Clay and and some of these guys in danger's way, what the heck are you putting your quarterback in that situation for?
3: And and can these running backs pick up a blitz. Right. I and mean that, you're not you're not playing McCoy, who's a great pass blocker. Right. You're playing you're, you're Gillisley, playing who you Wilder. don't right, who
0: you don't exactly know if what yeah. their thought process and their, their in progression in live game and reps, live game right. reps uh, that's and that's another great point. But I gotta wrap it up here. We've got Inside High School Sports coming up next. Looks like Dick Gallagher's in, so that looks like they'll probably be talking high school football just throwing it out there so you'll want to stick with that and then again the after that we'll have uh, sports talk Saturday with Matthew Collar at 11 and Sal Capaccio brings you countdown to kickoff at 5 p.m. WGR live local and breaking all day this afternoon right here on WGR so stay with it I'm Nate Geary for Derek Kramer and Ryan LaSalle I am happy to bring you uh Bill's pre 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 game and uh, we'll see you guys next week this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance